don't worry, we we do edit this, or I should say, jelly edits this. Jelly, jelly edits it. <laughs> oh, I've seen jelly edit things. I know yeah. all about that. <laughs> so feel free to you know do whatever you need to do, and we'll just laugh all the way as jelly yeah, has to do well, with jelly's the shit. Not that, here, yeah. Jelly's not here to yell at us and tell us when we're doing it wrong. So yeah, we're not going to tell you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, don't worry. I think he let me edit our show once, and then that was it. He's like, no more. <laughs> I'm like, fine. That's I know some podcasts don't do that, but obviously it's jelly. So there's going to be lots of editing so (laughs) whatever you need (laughs) and when he listens to this he's gonna want to punch us in the face (laughs) probably that's also gives me a great amount of joy to know that he's listening to every single one of these words trying to find the start point where is it jelly nobody knows (laughs) (laughs) you'll find out eventually jelly just keep listening right now no it's not yet (laughs) not yet (laughs) i hope you got some tea not now not now either Uh, (laughs) okay let's get started Hi, I'm Alice Zhao. I'm Curtis Herbert. And I'm Russell Ivanovich. And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about our efforts to make a living from the web and mobile. And if you haven't noticed, we've completely replaced Jelly with Russell today. <laughs> Ooh, same, same accent, though. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I reckon so, most of our listeners probably can't tell the difference. Yeah, it's fine. They, they haven't realized that Jelly's not here. <laughs> Does Jelly have a f- catchphrase that I should know about? Can I can I do some jellyisms on the show? Is your desk no. messy? If your desk just is messy. currently yes. messy, then you can be jelly. This is really awkward because I actually just moved this desk just for this podcast, so and there's literally nothing on it except one glass of water. <laughs> uh, but I bet you jelly doesn't approve of water. So jelly, I have water right next to my oh, computer. No, just so you know. <laughs> no, no. See, the thing is, I don't approve of messy desks or water or anything like that. Uh, like they have to be clean. Okay. Jelly's all yes. like, oh, my desk is so dirty. Oh no, so is mine. So yeah. I cannot. I cannot back Curtis on this one. But anyway, uh, so a big warm welcome or a re-welcome to Russell, because you're also a friend of the show. You were Jelly's former co-host of Topical, correct? Yes. I think if you dig deep enough on the internet, you can still find (laughs) that somewhere. And uh, we've invited you to replace Jelly today because we've been talking a lot about, uh, or at least uh, I've been thinking a lot about moving to android yeah we've been talking offline about yeah yeah oh it's my favorite topic uh, good <laughs> because our general consensus of three tends to be that no one wants to go android yeah. oh boy we're in for a great show yes yeah. i know i'm excited but we're hoping you you do a great job of convincing us otherwise because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so hard because like you know i think it is just like last week another article came out from TechCrunch about you know the revenue of the google play store is essentially one half of uh that of the ios store but then when we were looking through your tweets and stuff like you were saying originally uh when your app launched on android like you had 10x the revenue on android and now it's like 2x and like you're still destroying things on android by comparison of ios so yes, that's what kind yeah. of really caught our eye for like okay if we don't want to be three grumpy ios devs complaining about android like (laughs) this guy knows what he's doing (laughs) so why don't we backtrack for a second and if you could give us a little bit of an overview kind of like the history of i guess the app really in question here is going to be pocket cast your podcast player and you know what happened on ios versus android and kind of the story about what happened there so what happened um, just to give you a bit of context is my co-founder myself philip we started developing apps back in 2008. So when the App Store first launched on iOS, I want all our iOS listeners to feel extremely comfortable, all our <laughs> iOS developers, because that's that's where we started. And that's something I still do to this day. So we made an Australian weather app, not super relevant to this um, podcast, I guess, but it was really popular in Australia. So it really took off for whatever reason. The store was very small. It was very easy, to, I guess, to be successful. And we did sort of an okay job at it. It wasn't great or anything, but it, it took off. It, it went big. The good old days. <laughs> exactly, the good old days. And we started to get a lot of demand for an Android version. People were like, can you make an Android version? Can you 
make an Android version? And we said, no, like we don't know anything mm. about Android development. We don't have an Android phone. It's expensive. Back then, Android, if I'm being honest, was very ugly and a disgusting yeah, sort of were. place to be. Like yeah. the apps look horrendous. The operating system looked horrendous. So we're talking like Android 2.1 and 2.3 days. Um, nothing about the platform looked good. So we just completely ignored it for the weather. We're like, we don't need to be there. Like it's it's not our thing. And then, like you say, uh, Pocket Cast came along in 2010. Again, we started on iOS first because that's where our experience was. That's what we're familiar with. And we didn't have a lot of success. We mm. we were one of the very first podcasting apps ever to launch in the store. So there was no concept of having a podcasting app. Like Apple didn't have one. No one else had one. Mm-hmm. We thought, let's try this. And back then, Apple was rejecting them all, which is really helpful. They're like, no, we do podcasting and you don't. And we thought, what if really? we just cut out some features? Yeah, this is what they were actively wow. doing basically to developers. And our first version actually got rejected. They're like, nope, can't do streaming. Like that's our thing, not your thing. So we're like, okay, let's try and pull the streaming part out and let's try and launch it with just downloads only. And eventually... It took us about a month and a half, but eventually we got approval from Apple and we got one of the sort of first podcasting apps in the store. And that was exciting. And it went almost nowhere. So we were trying to get people used to the idea that was very foreign back then of download the, the podcast onto your phone, listen to it. You know, don't have to manage it with iTunes. Don't have to sync with iTunes. And that was a real uphill battle to try and get people to realize that um, that could be a thing. So we kept working on it. We sort of plugged away. We got to version two, version three. And by kind of version four, this is probably two years into the whole process, Pocket Weather was still making a lot of money. Pocket Cast was making almost no money. So mm. this was like 2012 then-ish? Yeah, this is like 2012-ish. Okay. And we're like, okay. what do we do? Like, we don't understand. Like, we think we've made an okay application. We think podcasting's a thing that more people should get into. Um, it's an interesting sort of medium to be involved in. Like, what have we done wrong? And then we kind of looked across the ecosystem and by that stage, there were plenty of other apps that had come along to do podcasting and iOS. Like there's probably 10 or 15 different podcasting apps, you know, 2012, 2013. It really exploded as a category and we weren't one of the most popular ones. We're like, oh, what do we need to do to kind of get back up there? And we had this crazy idea, like Philip and I sat down and we're like, what if, what if we just do this crazy thing and we build like an Android version? We're going to try and put a lot of effort in it. We're going to you know, lock ourselves in a room, both of us for like three months. We're going to try and do a really solid sort of effort. We're not going to try and port our iOS app. And we did. We sat down for three months. We worked on this podcasting app for Android. Um, we did a lot of the features there before we did the iOS version. Oh, interesting. And we tried to make that the story, I guess, behind the launch was like, hey, here's someone doing something crazy. They're going to Android first before they come to iOS. And it was picked up on um, Daring Fireball and all sorts of other you know sites like that. Oh, look at these crazy guys. Look at what they're doing. They're going to Android first. Like, is, isn't that cute? But what actually <laughs> happened is... We launched on the platform and I'd like to think that we kind of did the right thing by the users of that platform. We respected all the conventions and sort of things on there and it really exploded. It, it, part of it was the news coverage it got. It was literally sure. covered all over the place. People were like, look, someone made a, an interesting app for Android. Back then that wasn't really a thing that people were doing. Like it was very much like a second tier platform sure. that you'd kind of dump your, you know, you'd do the main iOS development yourself and then you'd outsource to some other you know, company that was fairly cheap and you'd be like, you, you do the Android version, just make it look something <laughs> like this and we're happy with that. And I guess we weren't happy with that. We figured, what if there's a market on Android for people that want sort of premium apps? And it was a paid app as well. It wasn't free. I think back then it was $2. It went up to $4 sort of shortly afterwards. We made it even more expensive. And from there, the entire platform, I guess, took off. Like the iOS version got popular, the Android version um, was insanely popular. That was kind of the beginning of, you know, Pocket Cast actually being its own product that was paying for its own development because before that, Pocket Weather was was funding everything. Wow! So you you and your co-founder were the ones who wrote the Android version. You didn't outsource this at all. No. The thing I left out is we actually did try to port our iOS version before that to Android. 
It was abysmal. Everybody oh, hated right. it. We, we, yeah, we, we, I kid you not, we spent two weeks on it. We're just like, we're going to get the minimum version out there we can. And it was not at all popular. People <laughs> hated it. It didn't follow any of the Android conventions. They're like, why have you dumped us this iOS app on us? We hate it. Mm. And we, we could have taken that to mean like, oh, Android sucks. Like never developing right. for Android again. But we thought, what if you take some of this feedback on board? Like maybe we haven't done the right thing by their platform. Maybe we should try and do a good job. And that's, that's when we did the version four sort of huge development. So it went straight from one to four. We skipped two numbers in between, but that's kind of how the, the Android version started. Yeah, I've kind of seen that one of my competitors came out with an Android app earlier in the, uh, this winter. Well, uh, Northern Hemisphere winter, so October. And this season, they, they have like a 2.3 star rating because they seem to do just the simple port thing where it's pretty much like a clone of the iOS app. Mm-hmm. So it does seem the Android users don't appreciate the cheap ports. They, they want something quality when you go over there. Yeah, I mean, which, which makes sense. It sounds really stupid to talk about it now, like in hindsight, but at the time it was kind of like a revelation. It's like, what, what if these people want quality too? And it's like, <laughs> it's human nature. You want, yeah. you want the best product possible, right? And yeah, if you've got money, you're happy to pay for it. Like it's, you, you want a good experience and you also want that feeling of, a lot of Android phones aren't that cheap. You know, there's Samsungs and things that are well into the thousand dollar yeah. sort of price range. Yeah. If you've paid that kind of money for a phone, you want to prove to all your friends and your family that you've done the right thing. So you're like, look at these high quality apps that I have on there. And yeah, that's, that's kind of worked for us in, in the long run. I mean, we're in 2018 now. So a good sort of five years later and it's, it's still going strong. So when you did the Android version or the 4.0, what kind of resources did you put into it? Was it did you like specifically hire like a designer that knew Android really well, or did you gasp buy an Android phone and make it your carry <laughs> <laughs> so you could learn the platform? We we did both of those things. Oh, so okay. um, we we hired a designer full time at, at that point. So we brought a designer on board. We said like this is your exclusive focus. We want a really good looking Android version before we're even going to do the iOS one. And he was a bit hesitant because he was a, a very much an Apple person. Mm. I guess a lot of designers were and probably still are. Well, it's where the cool kids design. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's exactly. <laughs> it's all the, the sexy sort of stuff. But he had like an iPhone. He obviously, I don't think the Apple Watch was a thing, but basically every Apple product you could own, he sort of had and he was a big fan of the platform. But to his credit, he's like, yeah, you know, this is something different. I'm going to kind of throw myself in and try it out. And this was before Google actually had a design spec. So now we have this thing called material design. Right. didn't sort of exist back then. So we kind of had to make our own way through what makes sense for an app on this platform. So that was kind of his job. And then our job was to kind of convert that into um, a working product and I guess the thing Philip and I had going for ourselves is that we knew the language um, Android was based on back then Java really well Mm -hmm. because we'd done that as a job for like eight years beforehand sort of building out servers and back-end sort of infrastructure so the the language wasn't a barrier but we did still have to learn all the frameworks right because it's not it's obviously not UI kit there's you know there's Android activities and fragments and all the weirdness that sort of comes in that sort of different development style so we had to learn all that and sort of um teach ourselves that but we did have like a designer who was yeah he was willing to put in the time to actually make like good android design and i think the final product if you looked at it today probably looks quite funny because android <laughs> was a different platform back yeah. then but i think for the time it was it was quite a nice design mm. you know people appreciated it. people it got a really good star rating i think we ended up at like 4.75 or some sort of rating like that like out of five stars so it it was received well as well like i think the effort we put in kind of ended up being reflected in you know how customers perceived it now when you built it out the initial version how many how many problems did you run into with you know the the infamous fragmentation and like a little bit of context here like obviously for me slopes a gps tracking app i'm deathly afraid of gps chipsets are different depending on the handset that you get and i'm just kind of trivially assuming without any fact that a podcast player isn't going to run into as many problems there oh you'd be surprised really that's this is where i'm really <laughs> yeah. curious like how how bad was that or how much is that overhyped 
from an iOS developer standpoint. Yeah, I think that the, the part that's overhyped is people see screen fragmentation. Back then, Android, um, iOS, I think, had two or one right. screen size. Like if that, people were like, look at Android screens. They come in like a thousand different sizes. And you've seen all these <laughs> famous sort of diagrams of people yep. like outlining all the things. But when you trace them back to their sort of 1DP or um, one pixel sort of thing, um, there was actually only like five or six different screen sizes to deal with. Mm. And Google had planned to have different screen sizes from the start. So all that was handled by the framework. So it's very easy to create sort of XML layouts and, and do that sort of thing and handle different screen sizes. That was all built into the framework. In some ways, it's actually easier to this day than it is with auto layout and all the different sort of screen sizes that we have to deal with now on iOS. It's still, I believe, easier on the Android side. So that's that's the thing iOS developers get hung up on, or used to at least, was screen yeah. sizes. That wasn't an issue. The issue we actually had is a lot of the low-level development stuff while the APIs might be in Java, like all the stuff is written in C. So it's the same on iOS. Like all the audio stuff has to be right, written in yeah. C because that's where you get the best performance. But the problem is some manufacturers would actually make modifications to that. So HTC would go in and make some tweaks. So they'd oh, add their boom goodness. sound or whatever, like, <laughs> oh, you no. know, their, their equalizer. And they were okay. Like they, they did a fairly good job. But then you had other sort of manufacturers that were rushing handsets to market and they'd go and wedge their features into this low-level native sort of playback. And then you get a whole bunch of reports. You know, this app works perfectly on this phone, but on this phone it just crashes. Like it, or the audio doesn't play. Or it won't play this particular file type. And we had massive problems with that. So we had to buy a whole bunch of handsets. We ended up with, I think, 25 different handsets here that we had to sort of test with and wow. sort of deal with. And once we, <laughs> once, once we sort of got that out of the way, like that was streamlined. But the weird part is that was a, that was a 2013, 2014 problem. So now if you fast forward to 2018, Google actually makes a playback library that's used in YouTube and a whole bunch of other things. It's separated from the Play Store, so they update it regularly. Oh, okay. You can submit bugs to it. Like we actually don't have any cross sort of device problems anymore. Like we had a, a ton of that back in 2013, but now for playing audio, that's that's pretty much a solved problem. You just you import Google's library, you you make your modifications to it, like the way your app needs to, and then audio just plays. And if there's some weirdness on some particular device, you just file a bug. You know, a few weeks later they fix it. So that's that's been like a really yeah positive experience since. Oh, wow, that's. Better than I thought. I, I, yeah, that's better yeah, than no, I thought. <laughs> I don't want to sugarcoat it. In the early days, it was. It was a bit oh, of a sure, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's always hard to separate like what were the early day yeah. fear, uncertainty, yeah. and doubt that was being spread around versus what's the reality today. Um, and it certainly seems like with material, with everything, like it's gotten a lot better to live over on the Android side. Yeah. But, you know, the handset difference, at least when it comes to some hardware, you know, performance issues, stuff like that is... Still something yeah. that I think there's still a lot of fud around, and I, I haven't been able to really sort through it. Yeah, I, th I think that the two areas that still exist that are a little bit problematic are the camera APIs and some of the graphics, low-level sort of graphics, you know, open jelly type gaming stuff. I believe there was a ton of fragmentation in those, and I, I talked to developers who used to develop camera apps, and they're like, yeah, it, it was a nightmare. Google has, has kind of fixed that like a few years ago, but we're sort of waiting for those fixes to roll out into um, all the different versions because I think that's the two places people still struggle and maybe GPS as well I haven't had a lot of experience with mm -hmm. GPS but there are different chipsets right and different phones that don't all perform the same way so potentially that causes you hassles as well but for someone like us developing an audio app that's that's all about the user interface and audio playback yeah. a lot of those libraries are now easier on the Android side of things so we implemented a thing where um for example, you look at an audio stream and you try and find the bits where the podcast has paused for a few seconds. You know, maybe they haven't edited it as tightly as, <laughs> as Jelly does this podcast. And we, we trim those things out. Right. To implement that on Android, I think it took about four hours. Like it was, we, we had sort of the high level algorithm on the whiteboard that we wanted to implement. We went to the Android code and I'm like, this is going to take me weeks. It's going to take me forever. But it turns out Google just exposes all the information that you need and, and all the different sort of buffers sort of going in and out. And within four hours, like we had a working implementation of it. And on iOS, I think that took a full three weeks hmm. to wow. get that right because 
because some of those audio APIs had come later and because they're sort of separated outside of the operating system, so that's something you don't see in the iOS world, right? So in iOS, yeah. when iOS 12 comes out, there's a whole bunch of APIs. The only way to use them is to get users to install iOS 12, which to be fair, like, you know, 70, 80% do fairly quickly, but the other 20% you may never get, like, for the longest right. time. On Android, what happens is the day a framework ships, Generally, it goes into a thing called Android X. It used to be called the support library. And Google actually bundles it before the OS even ships. So you develop against it. Potentially, your customers even have it installed before the new version of Android has even shipped. So that by the time a new version of Android rolls out, like I'd say 90, 95% of the APIs are already there, you know, going all the way back to, you know, Android 4 and Android 5. So it's, it's weird to say this, but it's often on Android you have less backwards compatibility problems because yeah. Google knows about the fragmentation issues and they've done a lot of proactive things to to work around them. And I know for some people hearing this, they're like, yeah, come on, really. But it is, <laughs> honestly, it is more effort on iOS to support previous versions than it is on Android. Like our, our iOS app goes back to iOS 10 just mm-hmm. because so many things change in iOS 10 that we're just like, I'm not dealing with, you know, the status right, bar yeah. changes and yeah. all these other things happen in iOS 7 and I don't need the bugs, I don't need the headaches. We're, we're just 10 onwards. And on Android, we go all the way back to Android 5 um, just because we can, like wow. all the support libraries and everything else, like deal with that. And we're currently on Android 8. I think Android 9 is about to launch. So we actually go further on Android and with about the same amount of effort. Like there's there's no difference in terms of how much backwards sort of compatibility stuff we have to do. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a different world. Like it's yeah. it's definitely very different to iOS development. But I think a lot of the fight around fragmentation in 2018 is not not really a problem anymore. And I've even noticed with GPS on iOS, like we're starting to get fragmentation for the first real time. I started getting more okay. user reports of uh, GPS issues on the iPhone 10. And from best I can tell, just the GPS chip on the iPhone 10 is not as performant as it was on previous iPhones, whatever compromises they had to make. So I was just kind of blown that like all of a sudden, yeah, I'm having to deal with fragmentation on iOS and mm-hmm. tweak all my algorithms based on that. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's you don't know unless you write a GPS app and then your customer <laughs> support lets you know. Oh, yeah. So so one thing, getting more into like the business side of things, uh, we were curious about this about, you said you launched around $2. Right now, Pocket Cast is $3.99, both in iOS and on Android. One of the other FUDs I've always heard is, you know, and this happens on iOS too, people are cheap, but Android, I've heard notoriously cheap. You know, they don't want paid upfront apps. I've seen people launch with trying to do subscriptions on Android and it just falls or paid upfront. Like, unless you're removing ads, like, you can't get revenue over there. But you found a lot of success being a paid upfront app. Do you think there's something that you did or an approach that you took with your marketing or something that really kind of helped you crack that nut of getting Android users to actually give you money? <laughs> I no think offense this, this to Android like, users. No, 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 no. I, get, I, get. I mean, it sounds like a miracle and I'm dying to hear your answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess that there's, there's a few parts of this. Like one, one is that the Android ecosystem is bigger than the iOS one. Like mm. I don't know if we have exact numbers, but it's maybe two times bigger or three times bigger. Yeah. We took the approach that in that bigger marketplace, we don't need to get everybody. Like to be successful, our app doesn't need to be downloaded by 3 billion people or however many sure. people run Android. We potentially only need like a few million of those. We'll cut out like a chunk of 10 million people and that's, that's the only people we need to target. And in the Android marketplace, you look at some of the most popular phones and they are things like the, you know, the Galaxy S9 and the Note 8 or 9 or whatever they're up to. These really, the phones that basically cost more or the same as like a, you know, a premium sort of iPhone 10. And if the users are willing to pay that for a phone, why shouldn't they be willing to pay for apps as well? Like as a, I'm sure if you look at it as a whole, there's a huge chunk of Android people that have bought like a $20 phone and don't want to pay $4 for an app because that's, you know, that's 20% or the, of my Or yeah, they got it for free yeah. for, you know, opening a exactly. library card or something. Like who knows? Yeah. yeah. 
But the thing most people forget is you don't, generally, unless you're selling advertising or something, you don't need to address the entire marketplace. Like you can just address the people that can afford your app, right? And that's mm. exactly what we aim to do. We mm. we raised the price for that very reason. That was a very conscious decision because we're like, we want it to feel more premium. We don't want it to feel cheap. And we found this weird effect that when we actually raised the price, just that little bit, we went from $2 to, to $4, that people suddenly perceived it as more of a premium thing. So what would happen is someone would, they'd kind of still make the buying decision, should I buy this, should they not, they mm. do the research. But once they'd bought it, they were way more likely to go tell their friends. They're like, look, I know it costs $4, but look at this thing. Like it mm. does all these things for me. And it's that weird, you know, it's psychology. Like when you've paid money and even if it's only $4, you want to justify sure. it to all your friends and family and say, look, this is why I paid the money. So I could get, you know, this experience. And that, that has really worked for us from a marketing point of view. And I will tell you that in terms of downloads, like our download growth has been just on an increase since 2013 till now. Like we've never had a dip. It's just like a constant increase in the amount of people downloading our app. On both platforms? On both platforms. Okay. Uh, it's grown a lot more recently on iOS um, than it has on Android just because we were so far behind on that platform. Right. But mm-hmm. it's still on Android. It's about twice. Twice the as many people download it every day on Android and pay for wow. it than they do on iOS, which is kind of interesting to me because it's not lack of competition, right? There's other podcasting sure, apps that yeah. do a really good job. There's plenty of free ones out there. It's not a lack of competition. I don't think it's a lack of quality. It's just there are enough people on Android that want to pay for apps that I kind of think, uh, to us at least, that that's a bit of fud to say that like, I'm going to put an app on Android and there's no way it can be successful because Google is still paying you know billions of dollars out to developers. You know maybe not as much as Apple, but there's there's still money flowing. So there's obviously people you know paying for things somewhere along the line. Oh yeah, like that two x revenue thing from TechCrunch. Like I, I forget exactly the app store numbers, but like I feel like uh, maybe two years ago is where iOS was revenue-wise compared to where they are today. So it's basically just saying the uh, Google Play Store is like two years behind in terms of revenue. It's not. And two years ago, we were saying, wow, that's a lot of revenue in iOS. So it's not like there isn't revenue there. Um, It's just that, you know, you see those free Android phones all the time and those people refuse. But it is healthy to remember that there are actually people who want to spend money. Yeah. And there are a lot of enthusiasts on Android as well. Like that's you have all these um, companies that um, like OnePlus as an example, like this sort of independent company that started up and they're like we're going to make a phone for enthusiasts it's affordable but it's not cheap and there are a lot of android people that are just passionate about like you want to get the exact phone with the exact specs that you want and why wouldn't you pay four dollars for an app that does like exactly what you want that kind of makes a lot of sense to me and i I don't always understand the fud because we know as independent app developers that when you see those huge figures they're going to the candy crushes and they're going to the (laughs) clash of clans yep or Fortnite nowadays yeah exactly Fortnite. you know making billions of dollars as well developers who make games with in-app purchases it's not really a thing that i'm involved with so i'm i just see all this money going to other people i'm like that doesn't really concern me like i'm just worried about um you know what can we make can we make a premium app that people still buy and the answer is yes like it it seems to work yeah that's i'm I'm just trying to figure out because like i've so yeah not to get distracted by the big numbers that only really matter for big games that have questionable practices sometimes (laughs) but i've talked to other smaller indies too that have tried to launch on android and they haven't seen the same success that you've seen you know i've heard from multiple people about the size of slopes that they see maybe 20% of their revenue come from Android versus iOS. That's actually our story as well. Because like, to be fair, in 2013, we did, well, I'll call it a lazy port. (laughs) Okay, no, Yano (laughs) might kill me for saying that. But we did do a port. And the funny thing is the first thing we realized that we didn't take this platform seriously because we didn't realize there was that like back button that Android yep. users yeah. are yeah, used to. Yeah, a lot to. of developers get that wrong. That's, <laughs> that's that was, often how you tell. It's like, yeah. yeah, it doesn't support it properly. <laughs> so we, we fixed that immediately. We're like, oh, this is like, this is us doing it very lazily. But even though after we fixed that and we, that's about our numbers. is like, I think around 10% between 
Google Play and um, Amazon. We're only about yeah ten percent for Android, and it feels it is the same app. And because it's like so, our app is、uh, a language app for kids, so it doesn't have to look and feel like an Android app necessarily, if that makes sense. Because it's all like yeah, it's a game. Yeah, there's no yeah. menus yeah. in it. It's so, its own custom UI.、Um, but back back to the question, I guess is that、yeah. you know. <laughs> For any other indies out there that are thinking of going to Android and seeing these like numbers of like ten percent, twenty percent, like it's for me. Even hearing your success story, like I kind of have to think twice. Like, is it worth it for us to go Android? Well, the thing is, like,、um, succeeding in both app stores, we know is really hard, right?、Yeah. Like, I have a lot of friends. Yeah, they pump years into an app and they put their heart and souls into it, and they put it in the store, and it's a really quality app. You download it, and you're like, this is really good. And then you ask them, like, how are you doing? And they're like, yeah, I make five dollars a a day. Yeah, I make like seven. <laughs> Seven dollars a week, and that's not because they've done anything wrong. It's just because the app store is huge. Yeah, yeah.、Um, it's really hard to get noticed. How do you sort of get that pickup? So, Android has all the same problems, and it's also a different marketplace. So, I think some people that approach it like iOS、um, kind of do it wrong. For example, on Android, the tablet ecosystem is almost non-existent. On、mm-hmm. iOS, you've got the iPad. It's really、mm-hmm. strong. You know, Apple sells ten to twelve million iPads a quarter. They're pushing、mm-hmm. it with the iPad Pro. You know, they're doing OS features.、Um, Google's kind of stopped. Pushing the tablet、mm. side of things, like Amazon and a lot of the sort of、um, cheaper sellers still make fifty dollar tablets that you can buy, and、uh-huh. they're kind of popular for watching movies and Netflix. But if you're not Netflix or YouTube, do you even、mm. need to to worry about that、mm. too much? So we don't. We we do make a tablet version,、um, and we sort of tweak it a little bit for Chrome OS as well. But we know that's not a huge segment of our market. So, for example, if I was someone making like a really quality iPad app, I'd say there's almost no point importing that to Android. Like you got to be realistic. Like there is、yeah. no tablet market. So if you're bringing your tablet market,、uh, you're bringing your tablet up over there. Probably not much point. And then the, the same thing to do with the phone side of things. There are some differences on Android to what users expect and what they get for free versus they, what they don't and what what kind of customers they are. So it's not as simple as as me telling you know iOS developers that hey, take your highly successful iOS app. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> do something similar in material design and you'll be successful. Like that is a very hard thing to do. Like it's it's hard to replicate that success anywhere. I think one of the only reasons that we've managed to do it is because. We kind of made the decision to stick with it because we weren't successful at first. Like I said, we we had an abysmal sort of version one launch. It went terribly,、mm-hmm. yeah. And we almost sort of pulled the plug at that point. But looking back on it now, like had had we not done that, like our company wouldn't be where it is today. Like we generated millions and millions of dollars worth of revenue from the Android platform, and you can imagine a company of five people. If you didn't have those millions and millions of dollars, like you probably wouldn't have five people, and you'd、yeah. still be in business. Like that's、yeah. that's just the realities of it. So I'm really glad that we did, but I don't think there was any particular sort of、um, foresight no, or anything on our part. I think we just、yeah. got lucky. Like we joined the、sure. platform at the right time. We kind of grew with it. Like. Can you replicate that success? I don't know. Like, can you replicate anyone's success? Really, that's、yeah. that's a really hard thing to do. Well, yeah, and persistence is definitely something I felt with slopes that's paid off for me. You know, I started it five years ago, and I'm just getting to the point now where like I'm considering employee number one. Exactly.、Yeah. Um, and like that, it took me five years to get there. It's a lot of <laughs> persistence and a lot of the right timing. Yeah. Like me yep. launching on watch day one was a big boost for、yep. me. Um, and that's something I was kind of wondering about your backstory. With you know, you said you got fireballed,、um, which you know, and the iOS market is a big deal. I don't know what his Android reach is like, <laughs> but like how how much do you attribute to getting a really good, I guess, head start on the market from having that really good positive press cycle when you launched Pocket Cast 4.0 on Android? Because that sounds like that might have jumped you, you know, a year or two ahead in terms of number of downloads. Oh, absolutely, and that that was a huge part of it because 
you can make the best app in the world, but we all know it has to get noticed by people. Right. And we, we got lucky in that we had, I guess we purposely crafted this way as well, but we had sort of a bit of a unique story to tell. We're like, we're going to Android first in a time when no one does. And it's amazing how much the press ate that up. Like we were on The Verge. Like I said, we were on Daring Fireball. We were on a ton of different sort of Android websites as well. But the interesting part of that is because it was such a unique and interesting story, like a lot of iOS blogs picked it up as well, almost, I guess, to poke fun at us a little bit. But yeah. what ended up happening is people went to the App Store. They're like, I've never heard of a Pocket Cast. Um, I'm going to get me a Pocket Cast. And it actually increased our iOS sales as well. So the, the day the Android app launched, even though we hadn't yet released version 4 for iOS, like that was a good two months away, I think, at that stage, we still saw a ton of iOS downloads. Like these people, it was just about creating the awareness. And I think before that, we tried sort of paid advertising on podcasts. We tried buying mm. banner ads. We tried all sorts of different things to buy users. And we went nowhere with that strategy. Mm. We just spent money got nowhere and but when we kind of got into the press cycle that made a huge difference and, and also what it meant is when we came out with version 5 and version 6 and version 7 um, that's sort of coming out soon is that it's easy to go back to those same people and say hey you remember that article you wrote yeah. you know, six months ago or whatever it's we have true. something new like you don't have to cover it if you don't want to but you did but before and is. you know here's <laughs> something that might yeah, yeah exactly and we kind of you kind of have that leverage to get them in on your betas and things like that and say hey look we're a month out from release do you want to jump in on the beta and check it out and because at least they know they've written about it before. Like it feels like that's that's easier. So yeah, kind of once you've climbed that hill, it's easy to sort of keep climbing. Is that the right analogy? Maybe? Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. That, it, yeah, it works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So looking at the two different stores, do you have different, vastly different marketing strategies for Google Play versus iTunes or the App Store? Yeah, yeah. I guess we 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 approach the stores fairly similarly. So the, okay. the descriptions are fairly similar in both. We. It's funny, we don't tend to do a lot of marketing. Like we don't buy um, search ads in either of the stores. We don't mm. really optimize the the thing. I know Google Play Store has this thing where you can change a whole bunch of your description, roll it out to 10% of people and see how yeah. it performs. We haven't done any of that. A part of it's because we're just busy. We don't have time yeah. to. But the other part of it is, I don't know, I feel like that's another world in and of itself. Like optimizing mm. for all that sort of stuff is a business and it can make you more money. But yeah. we kind of prefer to put that effort into the product instead. And they're not always mutually exclusive. I don't want to disparage people that, that do that. Like that it is a way to make more money. And if we explored that side of things, potentially we could increase our sales. But I guess traditionally we've been so busy focusing on a product and everything sort of around that that we haven't, we haven't really done a lot of difference. I think the only difference is on Twitter, the way we approach Android people is slightly different to the iOS people because mm. it's weird. Like the Android enthusiast community always has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder that they, <laughs> sure. they know a lot of stuff goes to iOS first. Yeah. Right? So they're yeah. very sensitive about us talking about, you know, the Mac or iOS because they feel like every time we're talking about that, is we're neglecting them, I sure. guess. Right. But what they don't realize is like we, we have a full-time developer like working on their stuff. Like it's not – when we do iOS things, we don't neglect the Android side of things, but we're very careful about how we word that. So whenever okay. – we see a lot of times we'll tweet something out for iOS saying, hey, this exciting new thing's coming to iOS in two weeks, you know, get on board here. We'll often follow it up with a tweet that will be like, hey, and for our Android, you know, listeners, like here's, here's where you get your stuff, just to kind of give them that reassurance that we're not like other companies. <laughs> we we're not going to neglect you. It's, <laughs> it's okay. We still love you. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of important because you don't get that on the iOS side. Like I haven't met many iOS users that are like, ah, oh, so jealous Why are you of my mentioning Android the Android version? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why? Like, I, yeah. I mean, they might hate Android, but they don't sure. feel like that if you're working on Android that you're somehow neglecting them, which which is a weird sort of perception yeah. on the other side. Yeah. So uh, I know that Pocket Cast is 
paid up front in both app stores. And so you might not have played with this, but maybe you've seen it just watching the market on Android. Have you noticed any differences really with how users respond to in-app purchases and subscriptions? You kind of alluded to this by saying, you know, what users expect is going to be different on different platforms. Specifically, I'm interested here because Slopes is free up front and then premium subscription in-app. So I'm curious, like, could you kind of maybe go into that a little? What you meant by like what users expect for free versus paid, stuff like that? Yeah, I think in both app stores now, it's the case that um, the majority of users expect everything for free. Um, They they seem quite happy to put up with display ads, like not a lot of users are sort of offended by those. So it seems like if it's not free, there has to be a really good reason that it's not free. But I really don't think there's a magical answer. And I think that's that's the big thing that we've learnt in sort of 10 years of being involved in all these app stores is that no one model is going to work for everybody, but the yeah. store is so big that every single model will work if that makes sense. Like there's mm. there's someone who has attempted every single business model possible <laughs> and there's someone who succeeded at every single business right. model True. possible. Yeah, I mean, Slopes has tried three business models at this point. It launches a paid up front, it doubled the price, then it went free yeah. with, subscri- with non-renewable <laughs> subscriptions. Now it's renewable subscriptions with consumables. Like, yeah, it, it's something you got to play around with, definitely. Yeah, I think the thing you don't want to do is say like oh, I've got this one business model that'll work for me forever because the app store I'm sure you two know like it changes yes. it changes oh, yeah. all the time yeah. every single year and Android's no different it's constantly right. changing Google's constantly making uh, tweaks you know apps are constantly trying different things you kind of have to be embedded in that sort of marketplace yeah. and you know like, like you said it's like buy the device use the device like figure out what all the other apps are doing and and you have to follow it so what was true two years ago is no longer true now for like either of the app stores so that I find that really hard to, to keep on top of all that stuff and yeah. figure out the trends and figure out you know, what's kind of flavor of the month versus what's actually going to stick and, and sort of be around. And you don't want to be kind of left behind on, on the old thing, I guess, if that stops being a thing. Yeah. So now that you're about 10 years in to this. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Are you, I feel so old. Are you officially, <laughs> I'm, I'm just personally curious, are you officially now an Apple person still or are you like all Android all the time because that's where you make your money? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you the very what sounds like a very political answer, but it's not. But I actually, I actually love both platforms because yeah. the thing is, ever since I was quite young, like I had a, I had a love of tech. I'm, I'm yeah. sure you two yeah. both do as well. But it was just like I had a love of tech, and then I found it really weird when the platform wars started. So you know, back in the early days, you had PlayStation versus Nintendo and Sega and like all the yeah. other companies, and that's kind of translated into like, oh, Android. I never use Android, but I actually used an Android phone for a full two years as like my personal phone, and mm. I. I fell in love with the original Moto X. That was like such a good phone. This was maybe 2015 or so. Uh-huh. It was it was the most amazing handset I've ever held. Like for the time, I think no phone has like ever matched it. It's very outdated now, obviously. But um, yeah, I use that. I use a lot of the Pixel phones from Google. Yep. I use the Pixel mm-hmm. 2 XL as my main phone. I, uh, I'll be honest. I'm an <laughs> Apple guy. The Pixel looks good. Yeah. The camera is. Oh, the camera I have is done is a side amazing. by side, and I'm like, all right. I have to admit, the Pixel is <laughs> yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, I knew it would kind of cross the line when my um we're we're out somewhere, and my wife's like. Kind of borrow your phone to take a photo. She's obviously got the iPhone, and she's like, "Yes, yeah, so don't 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 question me. I just I just take this photo and take your phone back and don't say anything." But actually, right now I have an iPhone because I'm still I'm still an iOS developer. At the end yeah. of the day, that's where the majority of my skill sets are. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm on the iPhone 10. Like it's a, it's a nice phone. I really like the swipe gestures. Like I don't like the Face ID thing that annoys the heck out of me. But everything else, like it's it's a great phone, and I kind of switch between them. I do the same thing on the desktop. I use Windows and Mac. Like I don't have a problem with either of them. I just like to experience all of sure. technology is that weird does that make me no, weird? no that's I, a great I, that's a great answer i've been that way with programming languages like i think i'm a good developer uh, okay i think i'm a good developer on some days most of the days i'm a shit developer <laughs> but the days i think i'm a good developer i think so because i've hopped so many frameworks yeah. and languages and i've been able to pick up on the patterns that mm-hmm. i love in each one and learn how each one does things and use those approaches as i need to 
And I think that's made me a better, well-rounded developer. And I think tech can very much be the same way. You know, I do Linux admin for my servers. I run Windows on my one PC for gaming and I run Mac on my development machine. And like, I can poke around on any of them. And that just helps me understand tech as a whole better, which is good. It's always healthy. Yeah, that's just why I've kind of always found it weird that you have to be an iPhone person or Android person. I'm like, I run both. And from my watch at the moment, I'm actually playing with the um, Nokia Steel HR. I forget what Nokia recorded, but it's this really nice analog watch that syncs back to your phone and kind of gives you steps and stuff. And the battery mm. lasts a month. I'm like, yeah, I like wow. this. It doesn't run Android Wear. It doesn't run, obviously, watchOS, but right. it's, it's, it's the right watch for me. Like, it's that kind of finding the technology that fits your life, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, so to wrap up, if you were to give a piece of advice for an indie that let's say is like us has already has an iOS app. Like what do you think is the one most important thing to do before considering going to Android? Yeah. I think the can I give two pieces of advice? Is that all right? Yeah, sure. I want more. <laughs> I got one free. So the, the first one is to consider the level, level of effort involved. So it's yeah. a lot of people assume that, okay, it'll take me X, weeks or months or whatever to port my app and that's the end of the effort but that's not the end of the effort with the ios app you've got maintenance you've got right. support you got to yep. add features you got to answer support requests so you kind of have to allocate the same amount of resources whether they be your personal time or you know another employee's time that you do to the ios app and if your resources aren't one for one uh, you're probably doing it wrong you're not investing enough on the android side that that's if you actually want to jump in and try it like i don't think you can try it half-heartedly like it doesn't work the other way either if i'm an android developer sure. and i'm like oh, i might just dip my toe in the water of ios i can't just throw something out there and see if it sticks like it has to be the same level of effort i think to ensure that i can try and at least get the same level of success and my other bit of advice is going to sound really weird but i think you should probably ignore all the different advice that you read on <laughs> blogs including mine ignore my advice completely because I think people look at, you look at a really successful app developer like Panic, right? We all know of Panic on the Mac App Store and they've done a few sort of iOS things. And if you replicated every single thing that Panic did and Panic either told you to do or whatever, you wouldn't end up being Panic, right? You'd be a different company. You might not be successful at all. You could have burnt through like all your funding. Um, you know, you could have had to lay a whole bunch of people off because I can sit here and tell you what made us successful on Android. I don't really know how useful that is. Like you can Mm -hmm. maybe pick up one or two learnings, but if you copy everything we did, it might have been that only you know twenty percent of the stuff that we did actually causes success. Maybe sixty percent slowed us down, and forty percent was nothing. Like you just don't know which bits right, to pick. Right. So you, you kind of have to sift, sift through that for yourself. Like you can't just take the advice of one person to be like, "This is a platform you should be on," or "This is a platform you shouldn't be on." Just look at the market, try and decide like you know, does my app fit there? And if it does fit there, you gotta you gotta put the effort into to do it. Like that's that's the sad part is it takes a lot of work. Like it's it's not it's not any easier on Android than it is on right. iOS to, to be successful. That's not too long, hopefully. Does that make no, sense? It's no, no, perfect. that makes sense. <laughs> and it lines up with what you said earlier with, you know, take the platform seriously. Like if somebody were to just port an Android app over to iOS, we'd all laugh at it. We would know like exactly, it was yeah. a shitty port. Nobody would download it and that would make sense. Uh, so it's important to separate out when we're seeing all that FUD going around of like, oh, Android, you'll never make money there to consider like how good of a job did they do mm-hmm. actually being a native platform citizen versus just a cheap port or a phone gap or something like that. Like, did they take it seriously with the same level of craftsmanship that they would on iOS? Mm-hmm. And did they give it enough time? Yeah. Did they actually keep trying to push it forward or did yeah. they give up after three months? I mean, the other thing is it's it's true on android that you can still make a highly polished crafted app that's absolutely amazing and has the best animations in the world and the best user experience it can still fail right. sure like that's right. that's not a sign of the that's android reality. platform yeah yeah that's reality that's how both both platforms just are so you will find stories like that as well you find developers that have absolutely invested the time and the money and the effort and got nowhere and you'll find others that invested you know less time and money and effort and got somewhere it's just 
that's the nature of how big and weird sort of the app stores are. Like that's that's the world we live in. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for being our Android evangelist for the evening. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> think of it. Business card? <laughs> I definitely think of it a bit differently now. Um, so I'm really th- grateful for you um, coming on the show. Anyway, if you'd like to get in touch with any of us, uh, you can find us at hello at independence.fm. Well, I guess not Russell. Well, he doesn't get those yeah, emails. But... Jelly won't, you know, Jelly <laughs> won't pretend to be Russell. All, all the hate mail you can send to Jelly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Please never have that guy on ever, ever again. Yeah, <laughs> no let's get rid of him. No more Jelly. Except who's going to edit this? I don't it's know. It's a unanimous vote. It's not me. <laughs> No, no, I was saying people would Oh, yeah, no, that, yeah. That, if we mind. lose Jelly, yeah. somebody else has to edit. That's no, 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 no. <laughs> Jelly, we love you. Come back. Yeah. All right, I'll start over. Um, you can get in touch with us at hello at independence.fm or independence.fm slash contact. You can sometimes find me on Twitter. I'm eat a duck I must. I'm at parrots. That's the plural of the bird. And I'm at Rusty Shelf. You can send all your Android hate mail to, to me. If you never want me on the show again, that's fine. Just just tell me and leave these poor people alone. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. Um, and thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Goodbye.